Okay, everybody, welcome to the Daily Objective and to what might be the final Election Tuesday ever, maybe. Wouldn't surprise me, honestly, these days, the way things are going. Wouldn't surprise me if after this election, we all kind of come together as one and say, look, democracy, it had its run. Elections, they were kind of nice at times, but let's never do this again. Let's try something new. I don't know. Monarchy, anarchy. How about each individual citizen has his own sovereign state? We can all never interact with one another again, and we can all just agree to disagree. Wouldn't surprise me at this point, the way uh, the world has moved. Nothing, uh, nothing can really be predicted. I have no idea what to expect, but we're going to talk about our predictions and much, much more. We have with us a man who is from the birthplace of democracy itself. You know, as much as I have maybe downplayed the merits of democracy here thus far in the monologue, when you think about it, in the context of history, when it was all despots, here was a new way of uh, electing rulers that was a new, uh, arguably a positive step in the right direction. But the, the final step, the final missing ingredient is that it's not only about how you choose your leaders, but it's to what is your leader beholden, to his own uh, whims or to rule of law? And the Greeks, in addition to, I think, inventing democracy, they also came to understand that the law is who we serve. The law is who we take orders from rather than kings and despots. Maybe, obviously, the Greeks didn't do it perfectly. Hell, we don't even do it perfectly. I don't even do it perfectly in this monologue. I take up 90% of the show uh, speaking and following my own whims, <laughs> but now we're going to democratize a bit and pass it over to Nikos Sotirakapoulos. Thank you, Raga. So, as always, uh, one of my favorite times in politics are the nights before an election. And maybe that's, that's something from my Marxist days, because... We'd always think maybe this is the election that the, maybe the Communist Party is going to go to 25% and things are going to change. So it's usually nice because the night before an election, it's, it's like there's this political field is open and everything is possible. Now, this is the first time that this is not the case. So this is the first time that usually people are going to go, well, if things tomorrow are not in a complete chaos, that's probably good. Although I expect that there are many people who are expecting this chaos. So I thought we could do the following today because it's always important to keep things into perspective. So how about we think, how was the feeling and the predictions at that particular day in 2016 and see whether some of the wild predictions were actually, were actually came to, to life. So... Of course, at this time, most people expected Hillary to win. This did not happen. But the next day, I remember, specifically in my circles in the universities and academia, predictions such as there's going to be a dictatorship, there's going to be concentration camps, there's going to be a third world war, the economy is going to crash. Now, nothing of these things happened. So the first thing I would say is people need to chill a bit. Now, I, I just today I saw a couple of minutes ago some leftists on Twitter saying, uh, circulating some information, what to do if Trump declares a coup. And I mean, th th that we're, still, we're still somewhere there. So the first thing to keep in mind is that usually what you think is going to be a cataclysmic change 
it rarely is. So the first thing is relax. It's not going to be probably as bad as you think, whichever whichever side you're on. So let, let's pause a bit here. So looking back on the equivalent day before or after the elections 2016, how do you think these four years played out? Uh, depends how you mean. I mean... Uh... I think uh, if you look at the culture, I think it's gotten much worse. But if you're just looking at policy, obviously it's not that bad. I mean, it's bad. I don't like uh, the tariff man. I don't like uh, his literal policies that he's implemented. I saw a former guest on the show, uh, Johan Norberg, what is, it, is his last name? Um, he tweeted out, I think yesterday, saying, after four years of the of the tariff man, are you sick of winning yet? And he showed... Uh, like a list of like, here's how many jobs were created in America by the tariffs. And here's how many jobs were lost. And of course, we can only try to quantify these things. I mean, whenever the government uh, meddles in the economy, we could only try to calculate the lost opportunities. Um, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, staying home your whole life and trying to imagine how many adventures you missed out on. You could try to gauge, but the only way to really know is to uh, actually live. Uh, but I mean, look, as far as uh, meddling in the economy goes, I, I, look, obviously, I'm not the expert. There's very few things I'm the expert on. I am not an expert, believe it or not, on policy and how Trump's policy compares to others and how much of Trump's policies even were implemented by Trump. But um, meaning how much how much of what has taken place in politics are Trump versus other uh branches of government. But I will say this, I don't like the amount of executive orders. That right there, he had a Republican Congress. Why didn't, you know, should it, wouldn't a leader then say, okay, guys, let's pass some bills. Let's do this, you know, draft it. I'll sign it. it sh wouldn't that be a way to actually implement change that can't be easily overruled later? So the executive orders, it's, uh, it speaks, it kind of, uh, it crosses from policy over into culture kind of he's setting he's setting a tone he's setting a precedent that might be fun if you're into trump you might think oh this is really cool yeah take that libs but just think about what happens if uh i don't know kamala harris let think about if uh bernie sanders think about any i mean aoc could be anyone uh signing these types of orders and think about how freaked out you would be i mean think about all the things that Trump has said and done, imagine Obama being that grotesque. I mean, Obama pissed off a lot of people with his executive orders and stuff. But just imagine Obama with the level of chutzpah that Trump has about um, just about his attitude, uh, talk, uh, his gloating, his uh, riling up the crowds the way he is, his um, insulting the media. Of course, I of course, I'm no fan of the media, but that's a whole nother uh, episode. Anyway, um, in terms of so you did you ask me about policy or did you ask me? No, mostly. About, so uh, mostly yeah. when you were or when when you're hearing predictions about these four years, now that these four years are over, what's your overall evaluation? My overall evaluation, for example, would be and if Trump loses, we might, we might do a whole show on trying to historically put into context these four years of Trump. I would say definitely not as bad as uh, not definitely not as bad as most people thought not as good as a lot of his fans thought. So, for example, I think overall good in issues of energy, good in issues of... Uh, good on issues of uh, maybe taxes, 
in other issues not so good but we're gonna do this uh, we're gonna do this in another so my question is from a historical context do you think that these four years when we're gonna see them in the past in the future are we gonna see them as more of the same specifically for example if democrats win and we go back to a quote normalcy or these four years was something that something big happened and it was something that it's going to be remembered in the history of politics Well, good question. Uh, by the way, you know, what good is money with nothing to buy? So you got a tax cut, so you have more no. cash in the bank, but your cost of living goes up because of tariffs or um, or because of government spending, obviously. Your dollar is worth less. So, I mean, is life about a, a, a number in your bank statement or is life about living, your standard of living? Um But um, you know what? What's next? I don't know. But like, I'm, I'm still kind of uh, stuck on your first question, which is kind of how I would evaluate things. I want to um, I want to make a make a point today. I want to I want to say something that uh, you know, obviously, people push back whenever I say things like this. They say, "Oh, you're not a real you know, you're not really a friend of liberty because you're you're an apologist for the Democrats." Listen, what? As here's here's the thing. How if you talk about how bad the left is, you keep on telling me how bad the left is, how how much the Democrats are becoming the leftist party. As bad as you make it sound, I'll say that's how badly there needs to be an opposition to them. So you can scream. It's like it's kind of like equivalent to saying, like, you know, the police need to read their Miranda rights to the person they arrest or the whole case gets thrown out. And you say, what do you mean the, the case gets thrown out? I'm, I'll, I'll explain it. I see you looking like, what's he talking about now? What do you mean you throwing the case out? Somebody did a, committed a horrible crime. And I'll say, yes, as bad as that crime is, that's how badly I need police to follow procedure. So they need to read him as right or whatever the legal procedure is. And so let's make sure we do that. So I'll say as bad as the, the left is, as bad as Democrats are, that's how badly there needs to be an opposition to them. Now, I'm reminded of uh, Milo. Remember him? Rest in peace. <laughs> He's still alive, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, let's just say rest in peace. Milo, rest his soul. The final days of his career, the final days of his cultural relevancy. He was on the Bill Maher show. And it was a gratuitous experience. If you, if you never saw that, check it out. He said, oh, you never saw this. Okay. Um, uh, he was... He was saying to, things to Bill Maher that Bill Maher didn't, you know, obviously didn't want to hear. I mean, Ben Shapiro did the same thing when he, when he was on there. So the, the you know, the, the right, the right wingers, they have their purpose, pissing off the left. And what Milo said to Bill Maher was, he said, the Democrat party has become the party of Lena Dunham. You know, Lena Dunham, she is uh, the star of the show Girls. And she basically came to signify like the millennial generation, this Naval gazing, BuzzFeed reading, language policing, um, absolutely unattractive, weight gaining, never shaving any part of their body, millennial generation with nothing to offer. And why is now, now Rosie's messaging us commentary on what we're talking about? Rosie, don't distract me. It's hard enough for me to stay on the point I'm trying to make. The comment was on the accent, by the way. Yeah, so. the accent sounds more like Sargon than Milo. But when I try to do Sargon, they say, now you sound Australian. So uh, <laughs> anyway, don't distract me. So, so okay, so Bill Maher goes on, or, I'm sorry, so Milo goes on the Bill Maher show, right? And he says, the Democrat party has become the party of Lena Dunham. 
That was a powerful statement. And it was true. I mean, it, you know, to a large extent, it is what the, the Democrats have to kind of pay lip service to now. Oh, you don't want us to use this language? You want us to use that language? Now Kamala Harris steps out on stage and says, my pronouns are she, hers, and, and, and her. You know, like, you, you, don't, you didn't see this either? I thought you were such a political animal. You're giving me this look like you've never heard, seen this before. Kamala Harris You can't recognize my looks. This was a look of... Oh, anyway, we, 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 okay. we, need to, okay. we need to work on our relationship. Yeah, yeah, and I need to wrap it up. I'm still on my opening monologue, and we're 15 minutes into the show. So Milo said to Bill Maher, he said, the Democratic, the Democratic Party has become the party of Lena Dunham. And Bill Maher was, you know, he tried to push back. He said, ah, oh, no, let's, let's leave our fellow HBO stars out of this. And Milo said, Oh, she's awful. She's awful. Lena Dunham. Oh, she's terrible. And so is Sarah Silverman and Amy Schumer. All these, all these women that were really funny before they contrast, contracted feminism. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. You can hate Milo, and I do, and we do. And he, what he's become since then is even way worse than what, what he was. But that was a powerful statement to say the Democratic Party has become the party of Lena Dunham. So I will ask you, watching this at home, and I will ask you, Nikos, what has the Republican Party become today? Because we know Donald Trump is a temporary figurehead of the Republicans. Let's hope. Let's hope he isn't crowned the Napoleon emperor. Let's hope. <laughs> Let's hope. But assuming uh, democracy is not canceled, Donald Trump is a temporary figurehead. What is the Repu What's left of the Republicans? It is, in my opinion become the party of Tucker Carlson. It is the party of forget, quote, forget Ayn Rand. It is the party of, quote, principles are for cucks. It is the party of, quote, regulate big tech. That is what the Republican Party is, thanks to Donald Trump. So it's not so much an evaluation of Donald Trump that I ask you to consider today. It's what has he turned the Republican Party into? Whatever merits it once may have had, are completely gone in my estimation of things. So I will, uh, so I'm invoking Milo's statement when he says the Democrat party has become the party of Lena Dunham. And I'm saying the Republican party has become the party of Tucker Carlson. And for that reason, I am honestly, I hate to say it, but I think Biden is the, is, is, is our guy. So let's see. Climate agenda attack on uh, dirty, form, dirty forms of energy, doubling down on identity politics, what else? Uh, fueling racial thinking, mm. a plan for stricter, stricter attacks on civil liberties based on the virus, the party of Tucker Carlson. You don't actually know if Biden's either a gonna attempt to implement half all of those things or half of those things, and a and b like he's a politician. He wants to get reelected. He is. I hate to say it, but a politician is better than a leftist crazy ideologue. So even if Kamala wins, I don't think she actually believes in half of the nonsense she said. Oh, I forgot. By the way. As far as I can tell, Biden and Kamala have both thrown more black people in jail and arrested more drug dealers than any conservative ever dreamed of. So, I mean, I, I'm not a fan. Obviously, we hate that. But let's not pretend that they are these uh, anarchist leftists like the Antifa people in Portland. Mm. 
And then I widened the vice president two days before the elections. He has this video on equality and equity that let me tell you something. I had to watch this four times mm-hmm. because every time I was like, no, no, she can't have said that. There's probably a mistake. People have misunderstood it. I watched it four times. Anyway. Because, because you yeah. know she doesn't mean it. Oh, so how about that? How about Target Carlson? is actually the most freedom-loving person ever, but he doesn't mean it. He is, he is decisively pushing Republicans away from liberty. He is the, he is the voice of moving away from liberty. And agreed, towards... by the way. Yeah, I agree. Okay, but, so, okay, look, and, and by the way, my answer should, to you should have been as bad as Kamala and Biden are, that's how badly there needs to be an opposition party to them a, a year from now, four years from now, 10 years from now. But what re- the Republicans have turned into in the last few years and what they're going to become increasingly is um, just another status party. And I know the Republicans have been crap for a very long time, but the way it's been moving recently is not in the positive direction. And um, when it's become the party of regulate big tech and it's the party of we're going to bring jobs back and end our reliance on China and people are cheering that on. And we got people in Tim- uh, riding their motorcycles around the Biden bus. I mean, come on, folks. These people need to chill. The, if the show goes on for long, which I hope it does, you're going to hear the term brothers, you've asked for it so many times in the next four years. That's going to get boring. But anyway, speaking of... I mean, people could say that gratuitously, but it, it won't be true. I'm making a calculated statement. If you're saying that, oh, Biden's going to win and we'll be living under communism. All I'll ever say is, look, I was trying to save the opposition party to this rather than having two two parties that are both the same. For the record, I don't think we're going to be living in communism because as I said in the beginning, it's always it's always after the or most of the times the changes less than people expected. So we promised, we promised, we promised the predictions today. So have you got any? So first of all, how's your, how's your day? Did you vote? Are you going to stay up? I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of early right now where I am, it's 10, 20 AM. So uh, I couldn't have voted yet. Right. Or I could have, I don't know if I'm going to vote. I think anyone can, are you supposed to register? Does registering just mean like being documented? Anyway, I'm in California. If California can't elect Biden without me, um, then good times are ahead. That means California is uh, diversifying a little bit in, in what they believe. Anyway, um, I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm going to end up voting or not, but uh, I am voting with ideas. I am voting. Uh, so my prediction is I think Biden's going to win because uh, Trump is not new anymore. He's not fresh anymore. And, um, you know, a lot of people maybe who voted for him once, they're kind of disillusioned with what the country is today, more than people are kind of horrified at Joe Biden. The Democrats worked very hard to make sure that they send in their lamest, most kind of like middle of the road, I hate to say it, kind of um, palatable Democrat, Joe Biden, compared to who else, you know, compared to the four horsewomen and et cetera. So, yeah. Right. So I don't know. My So here, here's the question. Are there going to be many people, for example, in Texas, North Carolina or in Pennsylvania who voted for Trump and now they're like, 
mm, I didn't get what I asked for. Therefore, I'm going to vote for Biden. So here's, a, here's, here's how I see it, right? Suppose Trump maintains the states that he won relatively easy. He maintains Texas, he maintains Iowa, he maintains Georgia, for example. That's not impossible. Let's say he also maintains Florida, not impossible. Let's say he also maintains North Carolina, not completely impossible. Then he's some states away, or Pennsylvania plus one or something like that, states away from victory. So it's not impossible. Take this into account. Take also into account that the social pressure and the social intimidation for voting Trump, I think now is even bigger than 2016. So I wouldn't be completely surprised if there was a huge, not if there was a big, let's say, surprise from the polls. Now, let's make something clear. The pollsters want to get it right. So the pollsters are not in the pocket of the Democrats or whatever, because yeah, no one's going to... It's reputation. their reputation. Yeah, it's their reputation. So, and every time they get it wrong, it's more difficult next time to get it wrong. So I'm not, I'm not saying that the polls are going to get it wrong or, or whatever. All I'm saying is that Trump winning is less unbelievable than some people will make it sound. In any case, again, uh, I think the most interesting thing is this discussion about the riots, the fact that people are, are uh, you know, shielding their stores. By the way, uh, I consider myself one of the best riot ologists in the world. And here's the golden room of riotology authored by yours truly. If everyone is expecting a riot, that riot is not going to happen. So anyway, that's my, that's my final prediction. So uh, without further ado, I will leave it up to you to finish it up. Uh, this is the last election Tuesday. Again, who knows? Maybe next week, let's say. <laughs> there are, maybe the election is still undecided, although I don't think that's going to be the case. And so I'll let you finish it off by just saying to people to keep an eye on our social media because as opposed to, as opposed to politicians and specifically, anyway, I don't want to say a politician of which side, we're not about distraction, we're about creation. We're coming up with new shows, shows promoting positive values. And within, I think, five minutes or so in our YouTube channel or in our Facebook, I can never tell which is which, you can see our new spot about one of our new shows. So, Raka, sum up this series of all this. Actually, it's on Facebook, as Razi says, what we do without Razi in so many aspects of our lives. So, Raka. That's the end of the election Tuesday's uh, parting thoughts and parting words. Uh, look, I'll just say this. Uh, most likely, whatever negative changes are coming are kind of me in the long term and can be fixed. Like you can uh, like even if the, the wrong candidate happens to win and starts to try to implement all these new things, a later candidate might overturn it. And, and, and in general, your life is not that affected by who wins this election today not in the big picture there's or in other it put another way there's a lot you can still do with your life and people are way too invested in election politics um people are way too invested in a lot of things that don't re directly relate to them of course we need to care about the direction that the culture is moving of course we need to care about political freedom and all of that 
But when you're truly passionate about your life, you can't wait to get to work. You can't wait to work on what it is that you want to do. So just look at this year. It's been a horribly disheartening uh, year in so many ways. Every time I start to think about it, I'm like, what's happening? Like, is like we're on a lockdown? Like, are we in the lockdown? Are we all going to die? Like, are we all going to be living under a dictatorship in, in three months? Like, I don't know what's going on. But I do know what look, I do know what we've done about it. We have flourished here at Ayn Rand Center UK. You guys have upped the uh, the output of content, and I've been part of it in my own little way. I've been very busy in my own life and career, and uh, I'm doing what I can, you know. Um, one second. It's right here. Calvin and Hobbes, the complete collection. I don't have the exact uh, comic here to uh, flip to, but there is one that always stuck with me where Calvin is in the bath and his tiger Hobbes is sitting next to the bathtub. And Calvin says something along the lines of, somebody once said, quote, do what you can with what you have where you are. And then they're silent for a moment. And then Calvin adds, although I'm sure whoever said that wasn't in the bathtub at the time. Something <laughs> like that. So let me ask you, are you currently in a bathtub? Of course not. So do what you can with what you have where you are. And you know what? Even if you are in a bathtub, you can still use your imagination and you can still think about stuff, which uh, is kind of what sets us apart from the other animals, even if people's behavior sometimes would not uh, show you that fact. How's that for a closing statement? <laughs> uh, how do you use the top pen drop? That's yeah, it. my pen drop. <laughs> Okay, everyone, uh, have a good uh, day, night, enjoy it, I guess, as a spectacle, whatever, and we're going to be here tomorrow seeing what we make of the new situation. All the best. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.